Next on Abounding Grace, Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven. But before he goes, he has something important he needs to do. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You If you knew this was your last day on earth, how would you spend it? It would say a lot about you and your priorities, wouldn't it? Today on Abounding Grace, we get right back into our series in 2 Kings. It's Elijah's last day on earth, and before he's taken up into heaven through a whirlwind, he chooses to invest time in his disciple. He pours into him. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with what we can take away from this. We'll begin in chapter 1 at verse 16. 2 Kings chapter 1 as you recall, the last time we were together, we didn't finish the chapter. Uh, we had seen how God had protected Elijah from 150 armed soldiers. And the way that he protected Elijah from the first 100 was this calling down fire from heaven. And if we focus on the fire, we are going to miss the protection of God. And we look at the miraculous and we go, oh my, the fire from heaven. And maybe even some of you were thinking there's such a difficulty in your life. You were thinking like James and John did later on. You know, I might like to use that just one time, Lord. But that's not God's heart. He didn't come to kill but to restore. It was a unique thing with Elijah. It was a unique work of God through him. But we focus on the fire and we miss the faithfulness. And we need to make sure we see both of them. God was faithful to protect Elijah. There was a plan and a purpose being worked out in his life. Just like your life and mine, we will be protected for the duration of the purposes of God in our lives. And then when our purpose for God is done, he's going to take us home. Not a second earlier and not a second later. We have that divine providential protection of God. It's not designed to make us test the Lord and say, well, you know, pastor told me I have this divine protection, so I think I'll tempt God on that. No, the Bible forbids that. But it does build in us the confidence to be faithful to what's before us. And what's true for Elijah is true for us. God will protect us. And yet, like Elijah, we need to walk in boldness coming to God and asking him, and acknowledging him and his mighty power. No matter what might threaten us, the protective hand of God will look after us and take care of us because God loves you. I think of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, this is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, he says, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. He just had a confidence even sitting in prison. So notice with me in verse 16 of chapter 1 to pick up where we left off. Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone 
up, but you shall surely die. Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken because he had no son. Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Elijah is escorted into the bedridden king. And remember, he gives the same message that he was given earlier. And we spent considerable time being reminded that the message doesn't change. The methodologies, they have to change because the times are changing. But the method themselves, or the message itself, never changes. We are forbidden to tamper with the gospel. We are not to change the word of God. We're not to adapt it and adjust it, and, and in some cases, as sometimes it's described, to water it down. We're not to be ashamed of it. Paul had to declare, even in his day, in the first century, he had, what did he say in Romans chapter 1? I am not ashamed of the gospel. So already there was a sense of being ashamed of the power of God. What is foolishness to man? And, and no need to, to raise your hand here, but I am certain that you have been called names or made fun of or thought to be foolish because you believed in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They just think you're dumb. They, what are you doing? You can't believe the Bible. We've moved on from there. We're much smarter. We know that evolution is true and, and all the nonsense and what that does is it causes, it kind of, the enemy uses it in the fears of our flesh. We begin to tamper down. And we begin to, no, I know it's not, yeah, I'm not sure. And you know, I'm not, you know, that Bible, it's old-fashioned religion. And before you know it, you're not, you're ashamed of the gospel. But Paul said this, and it's still true today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for the Jew first and also for the, it is the power. What the world calls foolishness God calls powerful. And what the, what the world calls powerful, money, riches, fame, God says, it's foolishness. It's not going to get you where you want to go. It's going to rip you off. It's going to take you away from what's real and what's true and what's noble and what's pure. And I, I love that about Elijah. If you weren't here for our last study, pick up the, the CD or listen on the MP3 on the app and, and we, we spent some time really focusing on the necessity of not changing the message. And that's something you can pray for me, and that's something you can pray for anyone that stands in this pulpit, that no matter what pressure comes our way, no matter what craziness comes our way, no matter what fears, anxiety, whatever we might have as human beings, that your pastors, your leaders will just simply stay true to the Word of God. Because if your pastors and leaders, they don't stay true to the Word of God, you will follow them, some of you. That's the way it works. And we want to be good examples to you. But what that means is if you come to us and ask us a question, we're going to answer to you from the word of God, which may or may not make you happy. Depends on where you're at and what kind of answer you really want. Like, for example, if you're here today and you came from another church because you were mad at the counsel they gave you and you're just hoping that you hit somebody here that will give you counsel that you like and you want to hear, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that the people that talk to you here, whether they're pastors, leaders, or the person you're sitting next to, will give you the truth of the word of God. And that you won't find what you're looking for. So I just want somebody to agree with me. Well, I agree with you. You need to get right with the Lord. How's that? 
I agree that you need to get back on track with the things of God. I agree that if you came from another church and you left things unresolved and you need to get, I agree with you, you need to go back and resolve things and make sure that you have a relationship with the body of Christ. Now, I am talking about a church that's speaking the true word of God and and churches that we would be in fellowship with, but it's no good to run. As you learned this, you're not going to outrun God. The Bible says, I was doing my devos in Jonah recently, and and the Bible says that while Jonah's doing all this stuff, it says that God was preparing a fish for Jonah. Now, did Jonah know that? Yes or no? He had no idea. And so as you're running away from God, and you're running to and fro, I wonder what God is preparing for you to get you back on track. But whatever it is, you need to get back on track. I don't know if you, God's going to prepare another great fish to swallow you up. Like you're out there running away and you're out fishing on the reservoir and, and then a big fish swallows you. And you go, where's that big fish? I've never seen that big fish. The reservoir people check the water all the time. I know because God prepared it just for you. And we'll wait three days till you get vomited up. You'll be out soon enough. I don't know what he's preparing for you, but listen, you can't run away from God. God's working behind the scenes. Why? Why did he do it with Jonah? Because he loves Jonah. He didn't want Jonah to run away. He had lessons to learn. You know, Jonah was so upset about what was going on with the Ninevites, he forgot about himself and what God wanted to do in his life. So the message never changes. The methods do change. We, if you go to our bookstore and you ask for last week's study, they're not going to give you an eight-track tape. It's not going to happen. We don't use eight-track tapes anymore. And for those of you that don't know what an eight-track tape is, Google it. It's a trip. I remember my parents had an eight-track player in their car, and it was loud. Cha-chunk, cha-chunk, cha-chunk. It doesn't do that anymore. Now we get upset if uh, our MP3 skips a little bit or whatever, you know? And, and so you're not going to find eight-track tapes or even cassette tapes. And in one, soon enough, probably not even CDs anymore. We, we need to adapt. Even some of you, the Lord is speaking to you right now, there's an ad- adaptation that's needed. You know, in the early days of our church when we met in the school uh, and we began to put the lyrics up on the screen, it wasn't like this. You know what it was? It was one of those overhead projectors with the arm and the little thing here. And, and then one of the sisters, I don't see her tonight, uh, but that, she's still with us, Shelly. She was, she was the word person that did those. I used to print these cellophane things out in my basement with the words of the screen. And, you know, there'd be times she'd put it upside down and backwards. And she didn't know because she, her back was to it. And, and it was just a white screen with black and white wor- with black words on a white background. That's all it was. That, we don't do that anymore. It's, you know, we have a computer that takes care and we have servants that do it differently now. Uh, I mean, I guess we could do it that way, but man, it would trip people out. They would walk in and go, what kind of, what, 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 what are they doing here? What is that? And now we have, you know, projectors and stuff. We don't need any of it. None of this stuff's needed. You don't even need chairs. You know, we could, if we didn't have chairs, we'd all gather on the floor. We don't even need a floor. We could gather under a tree. We, we don't need all of these things. But because they're tools, we're going to use them for the glory of God. But we don't need them if the, if the electricity goes out or the bulb goes out. You know, you're going to be tested. Oh, I don't know. What am I going to do? You're going to be just fine. Because we have the Lord and his presence. 
And, you know, even if I didn't have my iPad, if it messed up, I don't have my notes, I'm going to open up the Bible, begin to read it to you, let the Holy Spirit minister to us. I'm not going to freak out. The Lord's here. He's among us. I hope you felt his presence in the midst of worship. I mean, not just, not just believe his presence, not just believe what the Bible says, where the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, but literally to experience his presence in a fresh way that can only happen when you begin to praise him. The praises of his people invite a special relationship and intimacy with the Father that is not available any other way. God literally inhabits those praises where I know we believe it mentally and we believe it biblically, but have you felt the presence of God and experienced the presence of God? Have you felt the touch of God to affirm you, to remind you of his love for you, to remind you that he's not going to leave you or forsake you, to, to just, you know, as we were singing, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Do you mean that? Like, it's not like the Holy Spirit wasn't here and we now because we asked for him to be here, he's going to be. No, we're just ascending. We're, we're humbling ourselves and saying, you're welcome here. Do you know what that means? That means he's welcome to comfort you, to encourage you, to exhort you, to convict you. Did you mean that when you were singing? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Convict me. But that's part of the song. And the Holy Spirit just comes and you're able to experience him. We don't live in the Old Testament times where the Spirit of God comes and goes. Now we live in a time where the Spirit of God dwells permanently and sealed us, comes upon us in power, but we get so caught up in life and so caught up in the world and all our problems that we don't even acknowledge Him. We just stifle Him, or what the Bible says, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We, we bring grief to God through our actions and our attitudes and our hearts and when as soon as you start singing, even if you're not singing and the person next to you is singing and the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere, you're welcome here. Yes, yeah, you're welcome here. You're welcome in the car. You're welcome in my house. You're welcome in my cubicle. So Elijah here, the message doesn't change. You know, because uh, Ahaziah had no son, his brother Jero Jeroam uh, is the next king, it says, in his place, Jehoram, and you know, it's just a bad time in the history of Israel. It's a difficult time. One commentator shares good insight of many of the issues that were happening then, but now, and I wanted to share it with you, uh, it, and I quote, One reason so many, so many in contemporary society are miserable is that they've repeated Ahaziah's worst mistake, seeking help in the wrong place. They're searching for strength, fulfillment, and comfort in the wrong places. Some look for help in chemical reinforcement, mistakenly assuming that a prescription, a pill, a bottle, or an injection can provide life's missing ingredient. The worldwide epidemic of heroin and cocaine addiction has shocked us. Alcoholism continues to take its toll in traffic deaths and broken homes. And these are painful reminders that the remedy for personal emptiness is not a chemical substance. A popular preacher in America warns his congregation from time to time, and I subquote, some of you think you can drown your troubles in drink, but I want to remind you that troubles can swim. <laughs> I'm going to be using that one. Those who seek help in drugs are like Ahaziah, looking in the wrong place. And Paul, he would point to the only source that can fill man's emptiness. He said that God is the God of all comfort, 
Genuine comfort comes only through the faith in God. It cannot be found anywhere else. Ahaziah failed to understand this basic truth, end quote. So that's pretty powerful insight, both from the time of Ahaziah and him seeking help in the wrong places, ending in his, his death, and so many today. Pick up in chapter 2 now, verse 1. It came to pass that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah, verse 6, said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to the, to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So even the way Elijah is going to enter into the presence of God is going to be miraculous and interesting. Because he's an interesting man. This is the last day on earth for Elijah that we're reading in chapter 2. And what does he do on the last day of his life on earth? He invests it and spends it strengthening the faith and commitment of his disciple, Elisha, uh, of the one that will take over. He was spending time in pouring into him. And they are together four different times Elijah tests Elisha, asking him to stay back while he moved on. And Elisha, he passes these tests with flying colors. I'm not leaving your side. And personally, on a personal note, Elisha is dealing with the reality that he knows Elijah is going to leave. He knows he's going to die, that his time is short. Whether he realizes or not specifically that this is the day he knows it's very, very close as the prophets keep coming. Don't you know that it's going to happen today? And you know how things are. When you know something is imminent, in your mind you begin to think, oh, I hope it's not today. I hope it's tomorrow. I hope just delay it. But he's dealing with the reality that as the prophets keep telling him, today you're going to lose your friend. And each of the four stops we notice Elijah tells Elisha, stay here. I have to go and I'll be back. But Elisha says no. And each of the four stops actually speak of something in their lives. It was John Corson that brought this out, so I want to jot it down for you. So you can circle each of the cities, and each of the cities speak of something that I think is important for us to recognize. So in verse 1, Gilgal is the place of preparation. After 40 years of wandering, the, uh, wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites stopped at Gilgal to prepare for battle. Then we move on to the area of Bethel in verse 3. And Bethel is the place of realization. This is the place where the Lord revealed to you, is revealed to you like Jacob would at the place where, this is the place where he revealed himself to Jacob. And so Bethel becomes this place where God is revealed or realized. Jericho, well Jericho is the place of what? Confrontation. Why? Because it was a Jericho it, where war and utter dependence upon God to bring victory took place. And then finally, Jordan is the place of expectation. 
because it was there that the priests put their feet into the water and they stepped out in faith. And it wasn't until their feet got wet that God would stop the water to cross over. Beautiful Gilgal preparation, Bethel realization, Jericho confrontation, Jordan expectation. And this was what was building in the life of Elisha. Elisha now is the type of ministry brother that you want to have in your life. Elisha is the type of ministry brother or sister that you want to be in your life. This man of dedication. Often in, in our language today, we refer to this biblically as like-mindedness. You want to be serving with like-minded brothers and sisters. A love for God that it leads to a love of knitting you together. To go to war together. To be prepared together. To realize the presence of God together. To expect great things from God together. Here at Calvary, we, we have a growing group of men and women that God has allowed us to serve alongside of in unity, that literally love me, my wife, my children, and those that are serving. There's a mutual love. Oh, don't misunderstand like-mindedness and love. It's not like, like we never make mistakes or we never have to forgive one another and work through things together. Of course we do. But we want to be like-minded. God sent me to Aurora, Colorado for this very purpose. I'm living out the calling of God in my life. He sent me not to plant a church, but to be a part of a church that he's planting and trusting me with the leadership of just 30 people. Actually, the, the reality of, of the entrustment of God in my life actually started with just five people. Me, my wife, and three children. That was my responsibility. To be a, a loving husband leading my wife, loving her as Christ loved the church, and to be a father raising my children in the ways of the Lord, training them up in the way that they should go, and trusting that when they're old, like every one of our children, and they come to that crisis of faith and that significant temptation, that their faith will become their own and not just their parents. And then over the years, five became 30, and then 30 became 15. <laughs> I grew that group really big. That was the day, that was the first what time that I found out that when the Broncos play, people don't come to church, man. That's it. And I had to learn a lot about Colorado. It's not California. And I have learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you. You guys have taught me a lot about how to pastor and how to serve. You've taught me how to recover from mistakes. You've, you've taught me forgiveness. Unfortunately, some people have taught me what bitterness looks like and what betrayal feels like. That's all part of the package. My life belongs to the Lord. Why would I get anything less than Jesus? And why would you get anything less than Jesus? And together, fulfilling my role to serve this community, to pastor and oversee this church, it's a blessing. And I love you guys that serve. I love you guys that are just new to the church. Uh, I love everyone on the radio. Now, you know, that love is going to be different depending on the knowledge that we have together. But that love motivates me to dedicate myself to prayer, study of the word, and, and practical discipleship to the point of exhaustion sometimes. 
Hey, thanks for taking part in today's study from 2 Kings on Abounding Grace. All of Pastor Ed Taylor's teachings can be heard again online at calvaryaurora.org. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your mobile devices. They are the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. This would be a great way to study the Word in the new year. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and both apps will come up. See if this sounds familiar. You make a New Year's resolution to break a bad habit once and for all. And maybe you experience some short-term success, but then that undesirable behavior rears its ugly head again. Is it really possible to break the cycle of addictive behavior? And if so, how? Erwin Lutzer points the way in his insightful book, Getting to Know. That's N-O. You'll discover it is possible to break a stubborn habit with God's help. Get a copy of this helpful book as we begin 2019 when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. As you do, you'll be helping us continue delivering God's Word on this station in the year ahead. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryaurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. We'll pick up where we left off in 2 Kings tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 